You're listening to Work by 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 Work on air. This conversation was recorded live at the White Hotel in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, as part of Work by Work on Air, a four-day pop-up radio lounge designed to explore creativity and storytelling through the lens of artists, musicians, writers, podcasters, activists, and innovators in the ever-relevant medium of freeform radio. In this conversation, writer and editor Laura Feinstein explores where art, feminism, and activism meet, featuring artist and activist Celine Simon, CEO of ANO PR, Lania Magana, and new media artist Rachel Lee Hovnanian. And I think uh, I'll start, Rachel, since you're closest to me. <laughs> um, well, I'm an observer, and um, I think, you know, I find my voice through my art, and I like to observe people. I talk about, right now, I'm really looking at how technology is really uh, affecting all of us. And um, I grew up as a dyslexic. And, you know, doing art, a visual art, is how I can have my voice heard. So it's very important to me as being an activist in that way, through my art. I'm Lania, hi. Um, I do what I do because I love words, I love ideas, I love art, I like to bring those things together in a really clear way that furthers everyone's understanding of um, contemporary culture from a visual standpoint and helps communicate ideas and, you know, we're going to get into this topic a little bit later, but this is a critical moment for art and activism um, as a way to communicate broad ideas, motivate culture, create change, and um, so my company, ANOPR, resides kind of squarely at the middle of art, culture, technology, and we're aligning a lot more in today's day and age with activism and specifically artists working in that arena. So um, I do this work because it's my life. <laughs> Um, I guess for me it's uh, living with too much empathy in a way that uh, drives me to do something about it. It started with, um, you know, protests and all of that when I was a kid in uh, in Lebanon. And then um, as I started Slow Factory, I um, used to say it's fashion activism because using beauty, using the world or the images of the world, the images of the universe, I wanted to sort of... Um, maybe inspire people to live in peace with one another rather than shooting each other. I, the first collection that I launched, I, was, I always said, um, what if people would wrap themselves in the universe? Maybe they would stop shooting each other. So basically, that's where it all started. And we moved more and more into activism with a lot of pieces because I think that was way before it started to become a trend after Trump. But... Um, way more as a as because i had no other choice you know as a immigrant refugee woman of you know arab identity i had i had to do it to kind of take ownership of my dignity and and through beauty in a lot of way <laughs> and um uh, there's been a lot of strides for women in the art and creative communities but it we obviously still have a long way to go um what are your thoughts on just being a, a woman creating today and in your, in your niche? 
You're talking to me. Uh, yeah, I thought. We'd just <laughs> well, it's interesting. Um, you know, it's it's surprising that women we're still as visual artists or performing artists in the arts that we haven't come as far as the men have come. The men still really are the, you know, their paintings are the old school. Their money. I mean, auction houses. Um, anybody buying art? Um, I I've, I'm so, I know somebody that um, buys for a hedge fund and d- does investment in the. The orders were by men artist. Ooh. Yeah. I pretty, didn't realize it pretty, was so yeah. direct. Pretty yeah. amazing. Um, that were as, you know, as investment, as, you know, I don't even think about the investment side, but other people do. And why is it that the men are still commanding the most for auction prices? There are some women that are. Yeah. But on a whole, it's still the men. Yeah. So... Which is very unfortunate. <laughs> um, or, do, Lainey, do you have any thoughts? Well, I don't. I'm not a creator, but I do work. You work so in that world yeah. that I feel like you have sort of both a back end view of how it works, as well as what it is to be a female business owner and entrepreneur. Yeah. I've done PR for uh, all female group shows. I've done PR for uh, the art. Um, and feminism edit-a-thon and you know there's a fine line that we walk between do we message this show as an all-female show why do we need to address that Um, Mm -hmm. some female artists are very pro some female artists are very con and and so it's an interesting conversation I think that that's just the way that we approach things at least in my agencies, really honestly. And rather than having this definitive statement about um, a particular show, you know, aligned around women and saying it is this, we, we, we pose it as, and we're opening up this conversation about mm-hmm. um, this, you know, group of female artists and they're working in conversation with each other in this way and, and just kind of naming it as it is and rather than just having to I, use labels. So, um, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely keep, as a business owner, um, I'm also a person of color, even though I occasionally benefit from white privilege because I don't, I, you know, look strongly um, ethnic. I, um, uh, I'm still, you know, a person of color of Mexican descent and a female business owner and, you know, running a PR company in New York City amongst competitors. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting experience just from a business side um, how to thrive in um, in an independent way and you know be resourceful and I think that in that way I'm very creative and similar to maybe an artist practice like mm-hmm. you know working um, to you know um, really challenge the status quo you also had to kind of elbow your way through PR is a yeah. very male dominated yeah. field even strangely art PR is very male-dominated. It is. There's often a figurehead. And, you know, no no judgment at all in saying this, but just factually speaking, there are a few of of our fellow PR agencies out there who are run by by women, however, not women of color, Mm -hmm. not women of, um, you know... I, you know, I, I wasn't. I was raised in San Diego by essentially blue-collar working parents. I didn't, um, you know, waltz into the art world. I worked my way in and up, and educated myself strongly. And you know, as a business person, identified 
an opportunity to run the kind of agency that I run, and it's been through you know sheer grit and will and really just identifying with the kinds of clients that we work with. So we work with a lot of artists and you know, we relate really well um, with our clients and they find us and come to us naturally and it's a perfect fit and everyone has their place. And so this is our place and we're happy here. <laughs> um. I feel that uh, in fashion design or in design and tech, women tend to um, uh, help one another, work together to, to, you know, bring each other up in a lot of ways. And so I feel like I'm very fortunate to be a woman in, in my industry uh, because I've met a lot of amazing women who have inspired me, but also because it's very much like um, a nurturing environment when we work together. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of women I work, I work with a lot of women. Uh, a lot of women at Slow Factory, for example, or the people we collaborate with. A lot of collaborations have been done with women, not because I wanted to just work with women, but because we tend to just... Um, kind of come close to each other and mm -hmm. help each other very naturally. We, we, we nurture one another in a very natural way. We, and I feel like right now, um, the way we're redefining feminism and we, we kind of are redesigning the way that, what it is and what it means, it, it, um, it, it kind of demolishes the idea that women come uh, against each other or as ri rivals of one another, but um, we are redefining it as you know, a sisterhood or a friendship bound or mm -hmm. in any way. Um, I have a lot of women in my, uh, in my group of friends who have successful companies and it, we never feel like, oh my gosh, I, you know, I'm going to be trying to hurt you or anyway, right. in any way, it's, we rather come together. How can I collaborate with you? Can we collaborate together? How can I help you? Oh, you're doing a new collection, for example, and how can yeah. we, um, and I never had that when I started because I felt it was a very male dominated industry, especially the tech industry. How I started was through tech. And, um, and as I made my way through it, I feel like I've, I've met a group of women <laughs> that, mm -hmm. or we, we tend to attract one another. We tend to just come together like magnets, you know? Yeah. So I feel that is very powerful. And even if we still have so much to work on and so much to achieve as a, as, as women, you know, I really feel that we are becoming closer and closer with one another and stronger together in a lot of ways. Yeah. You no, know? I, I think that that's going to be needed for the next four years. Yeah. I, I don't want to get it too into politics just because I don't know what everyone's politics are. But um, as you know, the, the country's going through a lot of changes now. And how do you think that will impact your creative process or even the way you think about your work and your life for the next um, era? <laughs> well, um, if I can go back, <clears throat> I'm working on a project right now um, that came about. Mm -hmm. And we're in this you know, conversation Hillary Clinton just lost. We thought she was going to be in. I mean, it seemed so uplifting that we had a woman finally in power. Yeah. And then it didn't happen, right? Um, my last show... I happened to be riding in an elevator, and um, a man was in the elevator with me, and he said, so what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm an artist. And he said, oh, really? And um, do you show? And I said, yeah, actually, I have a show up right now um, at a gallery in Chelsea. Do you, do you look at art? He said, yeah, I was just there last week. And I said, well, 
I um, sh have a show right now. It's at Leila Heller Gallery on 25th Street. He goes, oh, that's, that's interesting. I, yeah, I love that gallery. And I said, oh, really? And then later I saw him. Yeah. And he said, so let me think, what did Layla have at the gallery? I said, well, you know, maybe you saw this baby installation. He said, what the F? That, what? What? That's your work? <laughs> and I said, yeah, yeah, that's... For people at home, uh, Rachel's uh, baby installation is uh, several baby sculptures that are um, within these sort of... Um, are they plexiglass? They're little, yeah. They're all interconnected with, you know, plugged in. Yes, they were. And it's, it's plexiglass. Sort of it, yeah, in, incubators. So yes. it's about the, you know, having a perfect child and technology and how it's just around the corner, um, and the choices we're going to have to make and how technology affects us in the good and the bad way. It's fascinating. You should check out her website to see some of the images. <laughs> but um, so later, I came up again with him. And he said, well, when he said, that's fucking, that's your installation, he goes, you don't look like the type of person that would have made that. I love that show. And I said, really? Okay, well, uh, tell me a bit more about why you don't think I made that installation. Yeah. And he said, well, I know you're, you're a woman and uh, you're petite and... You know, he can't believe I could make... I mean, it's such so, an interesting piece of or work. Or an enlarged piece, too. And, yeah. said, and I said, oh, tell me more. And then he caught himself. And he said, oh, um, oh, but I loved it. And so it was... When you were talking earlier, the question is, like, what inspires you? It's just everyday life, as I observe yeah. it. I'm doing a project somewhere in the United States that I am not myself. Um, I am actually a male. With the same resume and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of writers and people have done things like this but it that inspired me by his comments to see you know it's sort the of the bald face sexism <laughs> yeah so anyway so the question about um, how the current political climate is it's affecting a, like our creativity and our practice and yeah. in my case business yeah. yeah well yeah <laughs> um, it specifically it has really motivated me um, as the CEO of this company to lead uh, a more conscious effort to, and you know, as an intersectional feminist, to um, make sure that you know my clients are, um, or that I'm I'm doing work to support um, marginalized communities and and voices. Um, I, I'm very, very, very proud of the work that we did for Standing Rock. Mm -hmm. We were the PR campaign that led the um, messaging around the artist migration um, around Thanksgiving with the Mirrored Shields project. Um, that was Chinupahanska Luger. Um, big shout out to him and Jesse Hazelib, um, who are brave water protectors and artists and um, you know, created this project to invite, uh, you know, as many people who could come to the front of Standing Rock around, you know, art specifically and peaceful protest. And um, so that was a really meaningful project to us. And it was right at the, um, uh, like right b before things, you know, everyone started coming. Um, so it, it led, it pa kind of paved the way for, I think, a, you know, a, a, a number of influencers in our art world community um, ended up going or writing stories, and it broadened a lot of media exposure because there was this essentially a media blackout kind mm -hmm. of up to that point. Um, and as we know in the art world, our voices, um, 
you know, we, it kind of works from a top-down structure. We, we have a lot of important conversations in the art world that trickle down into more mainstream um, culture. So it was really important to me and the mission of my company to make sure we were including the art world voices. And they came and they showed up and Hyperallergic, for example, um, showed up on site and did, you know, artist interviews. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, that was a really meaningful project. So doing more things like that... Um, we're working with Ralph Zyman, who's a South African artist who talks about apartheid and as it also relates to global conversations of racism and, um, you know, just incorporating more honest discussions around global politics in, in our client base is where we're at because of everything that's happened. And specific, also essentially female voices there are right. a few really exciting female artists who I can't name yet who we will be working with in the coming years you'll, you'll have to let us know I will <laughs> for me I feel like um, I've, I don't remember a time where I wasn't aware of the politics and so it doesn't really start with American politics for me it starts way before um, and my work has always been influenced by political unrest whether mm. it's me as a, a refugee or me going back to Lebanon, me being in Lebanon, leaving again as an expat, you know, and um, recently I just uh, was answering a, a question. Someone was asking me, how many homes did you have? And growing up and we started counting them and I've, I'm 34 and I've lived in 25 homes and that's not like, you know, uh, vacation homes. It's like real homes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, when we started counting them, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, and of course you can analyze a lot like, oh, my personality or my anxiety or my this and my that. But it has definitely inspired me as a, I feel we're, we're political beings, whether we are aware of it or not. And I really think we're all activists in a lot of ways, because even if we do nothing or if we, we decide to not act, we act, you know, we are right. part of this um, mess together. And so I feel that um, I was very, very loud around uh, the issues that uh, concern my part of the world, which is the Middle East. And uh, more and more as the presidency of Barack Obama was ending and that shift into what we are seeing right now, I think a lot of people are coming forth and it's really inspiring. I feel like now it's cool to be an activist when before I was really uh, tagged as a troublemaker or, oh my gosh, you just want to be a rebel or mm. you're so much of a teenager, but I'm not anymore. And, uh, or disobedience, it really comes down to disobedience. And, and right now we're seeing a lot of peaceful disobedience or, um, you know, what we're calling um, important disobedience that is a part of our rights to, to disobey in a lot of ways. So has inspired me and then continues to and I'm really happy that right now we're seeing a lot of people caring and going out in the street it's heartwarming Selena I have a specific question for you you um even before all of the turmoil that we're currently experiencing have been working with refugee groups and activist groups and really incorporating into your art practice of the, the physical making not just do uh, donating um, to those causes. Do you mind just telling us a little bit about some of those projects so that our, our listeners hear about all the things you've been working on? 
Yes, absolutely. So it started as uh, more uh, poetical when we were printing the universe and the images of the earth and a little bit more uh, real when um, during there was a Gaza war again uh, in 2013 or 2014 and there was a an astronaut that was um, in the International Space Station just, you know, wrote like orbiting around the earth and he took a picture of uh, of Gaza at night and he tweeted it and he said this is the saddest picture I've ever taken from space because we could see that Gaza was completely in the dark because the electricity was off and only what we could see was the explosions mm -hmm. in that photo so I immediately downloaded that photo in high res printed it and we screen printed uh, the word peace on top of it and I reached out to uh, a lot of NGOs at, 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 at first, and because we were a small team, a lot of the bigger NGOs, I'm not going to name anyone, but we're like, yeah, no, we don't work with small people. But we kind of met our match because yeah. we met with this very agile, small women-led group called ANERA, the American Near East Refugee Aid, that work out of Gaza, Jordan, Lebanon, and uh, they are based in DC. And we just clicked it was just like oh my god we're the perfect match we're gonna work on this together so in a lot of ways we say they're our partners because they are in a lot of ways we tailor um, collections to the projects that they're working on and we create kind of a, a, a link between what NASA captures and the work that we're doing on earth and like we kind of make that loop happen so that was one of the first projects uh, that we launched and we started raising dignity kits to displaced women and dignity kits are um, uh, a big box where women who are displaced receive tampons, wipes, mm -hmm. clean scarves, a bit of makeup and uh, diapers and because Anera also sees that uh, the NGO we work with and uh, we also see that as um, you know, women of the Middle East, that our beauty is our way of coping with whatever's going on. And it's very, very part, much part of our culture. And when they told me about the Dignity Kits, I fell off my chair. I was like, oh my God. So I'm so excited to say that right now we are designing a Dignity Kit. We are bringing partners outside of Anera. With Anera, we're bringing like other um brands together to create a new kind of dignity kit that is going to be distributed to displaced Syrian women and Palestinian women in Lebanon as a first project because I'm there and I also you know because I go to Lebanon a lot so we started going to the refugee camps we shot a documentary there which inspired the key necklace that we designed and molded out of the key of my house which, which you can get on your, your website yes, I believe yes and that continues to fund the projects and why the key because I don't it, when you think of a key necklace, you think of uh, uh, Tiffany's. But it, for me, uh, growing up in Lebanon, the key necklace is, represents the Palestinian struggle, the Palestinian refugees. A lot of them wear the key around their neck. And it's a, traditional, a tradition that started with them and their um, exodus, if you want, and continued with the Syrian refugees. And to me, it represents their dignity. And if we could wear it with pride and at the same time raise money awareness as a symbol also um, so that key is uh, in, in one of the MoMA's books right now because it's like a kind of a design symbol that mm -hmm. represents 
a culture and, and a movement that's happening. And so that's the second piece. But we have like a lot of little pieces like that. That can, It's not just like, oh, I made a t-shirt that says save the earth and I'm going to give five bucks to Greenpeace. Yeah. It's a lot of like baking it inside of the product, the fabric, the, the meaning. Every part everything. of it is, is from what I've seen of your work is sustainable and is made by, yes. by people you actually mm-hmm. have either met or have mm-hmm. direct contact with. Um, and you also have a beautiful storefront in Williamsburg. Yes, it's new. <laughs> but it's never open because it's only open on certain days when we do pop-ups and the rest of the day we work in the storefront and everyone comes in and looks at, what are they doing? What are they doing? So it's not yet open to the public, but we do have pop-ups a lot and during the weekends. So <laughs> And people should, should definitely go to slowfactory.com and learn all about all of the projects you're working on. Um, they're, they're fascinating. <laughs> Um, So, feminism in the last few years has gained a lot of popularity. Obviously, with Beyonce having a huge sign that said feminist, I think it brought in a lot of people who maybe hadn't thought about it before. The word itself is pretty benign. It just means women should have equal rights, but it's also probably one of the most hated words in the English language. I don't know if you've ever tried to use the hashtag feminist or done anything online that has the word feminist in it. Um, Chris here will attest to. I recently <laughs> posted something on Instagram that was a feminist blog uh, post and wake up every morning to several dozen comments saying feminism is a cancer, you should die, really ridiculous things. So I think that, you know, I'm interested in what all of your personal um, thoughts on the word feminist or feminism means to you. I guess I'm, I'm yes, the first one. Yeah. So um, well, it's interesting because I was raised by a feminist um, and I was raised with three brothers. I just kind of thought I was a boy. I never yeah. wore a bathing suit top. I mean, I didn't really think there was a difference between a boy and a girl. Um, and uh, I think I was just raised that way. Um, and my mother made anti-war speeches. She was an activist. Our phone was tapped. I grew up in Texas, so... Um, My father was an English literature professor. We were just, I mean, they weren't particularly social, but we just always, it was more important what was in your head than what, you know, you looked like. That was how I was raised. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's so funny, the word feminist, because I just literally told a friend of mine today who's in the fashion world, and they, um, and, you know, looking at her on the outside, you wouldn't think she's a feminist. She is so hardworking. She uh, does everything, wears all sorts of hats. And I said, you're a feminist and you don't even know it. You know, and she doesn't think of herself. It is that bad word. I mean, look at this book that I don't know if you know of her, but her readings. It's just so fantastic what she talks about feminist as being a bad word. And um, recently I've had experience where I'm showing out west um, and uh, in a pretty conservative area. I'm doing a little project there. And... Um, so I, in my literature, I said feminist and, and they said, are you sure you want to use that word? And I said, yes, why not? It's an inclusive word. I mean, we're now in the third wave feminist. It's not the second wave. It's not the first wave. And they said, um, well, you know, it's really unliked. And I said, oh, well then definitely use it. (laughs) (laughs) The F word. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a new F word. Yeah. Um, I think I've always been a feminist and yeah, just didn't know it um, in my early teen years. I, I grew up in San Diego um, in the 90s and was 
grateful to have, you know, Riot Girl uh, influences back then and um, women like Kathleen Hanna um, to sort of pave the way for art and music and creativity as a role model for young women at that time. Um, and it was in college when I pretty clearly identified myself as a feminist. Um, I was just having this conversation with my friend Sarah um, the other day um, where she was saying that she she didn't ever align with... This, this woman is very much a feminist and she never thought of herself as a feminist because she assumed you had to look a certain way, like mm-hmm. wear a certain attire. And I think that that's just a good question Definitely. to open up. What does a yeah. feminist look like? What, um, you know, there's a lot of um, internal misogyny, I think, amongst women. Um, Definitely. Women on women misogyny around Definitely. that, and around beauty. I don't even notice that we're perpetuating. Yeah, and it's um, one of the reasons why Hillary Clinton, you know, wasn't elected a pres- to be the president. Um, there are many women out there who don't believe that a woman can run the country, that, you know, um, women can't lead many things. So, so what does a f- feminist look like? And um, uh, I, I think that having more positive mainstream depictions like Beyonce, who... For me, that's that's polarizing for me. I don't know if I want to... I, I think I made a face about yeah. it. I... I'm in marketing and PR. Obviously, I have a different perspective on someone like Beyonce coming yeah. out at the height of kind of feminism's mainstream conversation, you know, f- four years ago and kind of coming out and saying she's a feminist. And I, I kind of question that. Like, I haven't seen any protest posters that Beyonce has written. I don't know if she went to the Women's March. Uh, you know, I'd love to see more um, forensic evidence of her <laughs> feminism. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, what does her diary from high school say? And what are her beliefs about... I haven't read that manifesto. And... Um, you know, I, I can't remember the, Beyonce the papers. Yeah, and I can't remember the feminist. Was it Bell Hooks who called her a terrorist <laughs> at a at a wow. fe- panel on feminism here in New York City? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so you know, it, I think she's polarizing, but nevertheless, a strong, iconic female person of color coming out and saying, yeah. "I'm a feminist." Hey, like maybe that's not such a bad thing. Um, yeah. And so having more mainstream role models like that to really you know rebrand feminism would be useful yeah um there was you know i i i watch a lot of media i read a lot of media i like to stay up on contemporary culture i watch reality tv yes i i confess (laughs) (laughs) publicly here um but there was a reality tv show that was really informative uh, there's a, a woman from Texas on it and she didn't even know what the word misogyny meant. And yeah. I said, if that's the case, then we have a lot of work to do as feminists, like to educate it's other like women. It's Obamacare of words where people don't really know they that don't it's really a good know. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, there's just, I think a lot of, um, like, can a feminist be pretty? Can she wear any label she wants? Can she wear makeup? Can she love men? Yes, you know, absolutely. Yeah. It's It really is just the idea that we're equal and we're deserving. It's very basic. It's yeah, pretty it's, basic. It's, it's probably the most basic concept I yeah. can think of. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, feminism, again, I grew up not 
by a feminist mother, but she is a feminist to me, even though she doesn't identify with it. Um, but it was a bad word, you know, growing up. Uh, it was like very rebellious to say you're a feminist and not wear a bra and let your <laughs> armpits grow and like really take before this Instagram and taking selfies of that. And um, also reading a lot of books that were not really encouraged for us to read because a lot of women older, like the age of my mother, would be like, oh my God, but you will never marry. You're going to scare the guy. And, you know, and this fear of like, <laughs> we're going to be, uh, there's, a, there's a meme that's like, feminists are going to burn their bras and like uh, become lesbians and, and kill everybody or something like that. But um, recently we did a, a, a sort of a panel with AIGA New York uh, about redesigning feminist, feminism or the feminist identity and if, if we want. Yeah. And we brought on our panel a lot of people who actually work around these themes. Um, there were um, Kevin Allred who's a politicizing Beyonce professor. So he had a lot oh, to so he say. he teaches a whole class he, on He it? teaches a whole class on that and he is writing a book about that and he wrote uh, his class was famous way before Beyonce launched her 2013 album. Um, and so we had him, and then we had also um, uh, Jaja Faye, who... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she, through uh, selfies and through her image was also, like, opening up the art world in a lot of ways. Um, and so it, during that panel, we discussed, um, uh, you know, the idea of what feminism means and, like, the identity, like, exactly what you were saying, like, what do we wear or what... and. I think also with the, the rise of Rookie Magazine and Tavi Tool and all the, Tavi Gevinson actually, Tavi Tool is her uh, at name. Um, we, I, I, I started to discover like a new kind of feminism where pink and glitter was okay and you could be yourself. You don't have to fit in any box. You don't have to please the old school feminist women who are going to you know, want you to not wear makeup, for example. Or, and, and that's where I think Beyonce felt maybe <laughs> free to say that she was a feminist in a lot of ways, also opening up the barriers of what feminism looks like, you know? And a lot of um, intersectional feminist, like the conversation started to open up about other women who aren't necessarily uh, Caucasian women who associate with the word feminist, feminism, even though maybe they grew up in a culture that forbid it completely and you were not even supposed to mention it. So I think that right now we are really exploring what that means. I think we, um, there was um, uh, the Game of Thrones actor, um, uh, what's her name, you know? Um, the, you know what I'm talking about? Which one does she play? She plays uh, the, not Sansa Stark, but... Uh, She's the evil one? No, the, the young one. Anyway, she was saying, feminism, I thought that was, everybody was a feminist. Yeah. And why are we using even the word feminism um, to describe ourselves? We should all be feminist, and then if you're not, you're just an asshole, yeah. you know? <laughs> so I feel that's pretty much how I feel yeah. about the word feminism. And what, yeah, why, what does it mean? It means women should be respected, they have equal rights, the, you know, our, our um, issues are human rights issues. In a lot of ways, what we're, what we're asking for is just to be considered as human beings, you know? And so why not, if you want to call it feminism, or if you want, you rather have the title of being an asshole, like it's either or, you know? <laughs> exactly, yeah. There's, there's only really two choices. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, speaking of how, how sort of, you know, it's not just about what we traditionally think of, as feminism and whatever has been, been branded of the woman who doesn't shave her armpits, you know, hates men, hates makeup. 
there's also this idea that there's feminist art, but I feel like art can just be something that makes you feel a powerful feeling. And if you happen to be a woman, that's fine. If you happen to be a man, that's fine. But there's a sort of a universal passion to it. And I feel like art now gets generalized as women's art or men's art. Right. But I was wondering, you know, what piece of art first inspired you? And it could be like a film or a painting that first kind of made you say, I want to create or I want to be part of the creative world. I'm going to need a second. That is a that good is question. A, you know, you'll have to like... Just sort of, you know, or just something that that's, you know, a piece that you just really love that um, it doesn't even have to be the first one that just really um, inspires you that someone can check out to at home. Can I say something? Yeah, of course. To do when um, I was studying art on Saturdays in Lebanon, when, I, when we went back to live there, and my teacher was a French teacher who had like a big house in Ashrafi in Beirut, and she was teaching us art. And uh, we had a lot of angst, you know? We were a bunch of girls. Yeah. We had so much anger, and um, it, we, we needed to fit in a perfect society where you know beauty and aesthetics were everything in Lebanese culture like you don't go out if your hair is not perfectly straightened Mm -hmm. your eyebrows are done you have full makeup you have nail polish you are dressed properly etc and as a teenager we're like fuck that you know we don't want that but we are expected to so um at one point she was like, let's do a self-portrait. And we were drawing our self-portrait. And uh, we were trying to be perfect in every way. And she shows us a picture of, uh, she literally introduced us to Frida Kahlo. Mm-hmm. And, it, and she opens this huge book and we see like these big portraits of Frida Kahlo where she doesn't pluck her yeah. eyebrows. She has a mustache. <laughs> and to us it was like, ew! But she's still beautiful. But wow! Yeah. And that freed us in a lot of ways artistically and emotionally and spiritually and in a lot of ways we were like oh my gosh and Frida Kahlo remains for me like a sort of a mother figure in a lot of ways in my art in the way I express myself and in the selfies that now we take back in the days it was called self-portraits and we would draw them you know and we would paint them or later we started taking photos of us and whatnot but this idea of self-portrait to me is was the introduction to art I actually, in a lot of ways. I actually had the pleasure of visiting Frida Kahlo's studio in Mexico City last year. And it was it's amazing just getting to look at the the tiny things that inspired her from, you know, the dresses that her grandmother would wear to the colors of her neighborhood and and the vibrancy of it. And I think that there's something to be said for kind of looking to the past for inspiration and looking to like a, a person and their things. I know Patti Smith had the same experience when she went to Frida Kahlo's house. There's just a... Yeah, I went, I lived in Mexico when I was a child and I would have to say, you know, Frida's and what you're saying, I mean, you go into that room and you're just transported. Um, and my mother, so when you ask that, it's just, I feel like I've had so many. Yeah. Um, pieces of different people, having my parents, friends with a lot of artists and always being in the studio, smelling the paint. And Mm -hmm. again, being a child of, has severe dyslexia and not being able to spell, but I could draw. Yeah. And I could, I knew perspective without even knowing I knew perspective, but my mother painted as well. And she'd be in the studio and I'd hang out with her. And so I just think it's all of those facts, all women doing their passion and expressing themselves. You know, even people that don't have any platform to stand on 
all can express themselves to whatever, like you do these fantastic um, scarves and the keys. And I just feel like now we have so many things. And because of technology, we all have a voice, mm -hmm. which is so beautiful about Instagram, you know, and so beautiful about our technology. Yeah, it's a sort of real direct platform that we've never had before where you could show your work instantly. Instead of knocking on the doors of gallerists, you can kind of just put it out there and there's sort of an egalitarian and, nature to and it. And find each other. You know, I think that's been what's been amazing for me is to find other people through this platform. Um, so... So, um, again, not being an artist, um, but I studied art history and communications and, you know, uh, you know, one of the earliest paintings to stick out to me um, by a female artist was going to be like Marie Cassatt and her story of um, creating work in the late 1800s um, in a very, very male-dominated, like 100% dominated yeah. industry or female painters who had to take um, nom de pleurs, you know, you know, and... and just, just similar to writers um, using male names um, to to be able to create work, and you know you think about what a long way we've come, and we still have such a, a long way to go. You mentioned Frida Kahlo, and I mean she was absolutely transformative to me. And I wrote a a paper um, about the female surrealists because I I admire and respect them so much, but we don't think a lot about we don't talk a lot about the female surrealists. They were just as talented and they had more just so. As Lenora yes. Carrington. I'm sorry. Amazing. Um, so yeah. you know she so I wrote a paper on um, you know art and feminism and surrealism and you know you can go back to that time. Frida Kahlo is called a surrealist and she I, it's just it's so frustrating that that is her um, categorization because she herself is quoted to have said I'm not a surrealist I paint my own reality yeah. and the fact that the art world has just forever labeled her a surrealist is disappointing and so my paper sort of addressed that and um, the role that male artists took you know throughout art history um, with their muses and how they really co-opted female beauty and young females like Picasso is notorious for dating young girls and how that that could be okay and accepted and um, utilized as an art form and a lot of the paintings that we see in museums today are from that um, kind of pedophilic time <laughs> yeah. you know and um and and that that influences culture and our perceptions of what art is forever after and we have to constantly disrupt that so the point of making art as a female artist today and as any artist is going to be you know to disrupt that to rewrite these stories of gender and art um to to redefine the narrative and, you know, for future generations. Not that an individual artist needs to be tasked with that, like, I'm gonna just, you know, heal the world and that's what I'm here for as an artist I'm supposed to do. You get, you can have your own personal mission around that, but I, I think broadly speaking, re-curating these institutions is gonna be really important for the future. It's it's funny you mentioned sort of the, the women that get left out. Um, later on today, Rachel Corbett is going to be in here and she just wrote this um, fantastic book about the friendship between Rodin mm -hmm. and Rilke. Yeah. I practiced saying his last name for a while yesterday. Uh, Such a, she's so talented. <laughs> she's incredibly talented, but the thing that struck me the most about this book, about this friendship between the two men, is how many um, strong and even more talented women were in their lives as their mentors. Mm -hmm. They get completely left out. People yeah. that, you know, they themselves had said, 
they're so much more talented and brilliant than me. And I feel like... Mentors it, and patrons. And patrons and muses. Gertrude Stein. And, and, and Dora Mar. Who, who would do, who would write, who would edit their first drafts and finish them or who would help them with their sculptures or yeah. even who taught them. And I think that it's important that we kind of bring those women out of history because it's, it's easy for people to say most great artists were men and the canon is men, but it's because a lot of women have been sort of either deliberately left out of the history books or were just seen as less important. Um, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes reading about um, not necessarily even strong women, but women who flaunted conventions has given me inspiration because sexism is not nearly as bad as it was in the 1900s, but it's still there and there's still roles we're supposed to inhabit. Are there any um, women that have ever just inspired you? And it could be someone you know or even, you know, like for Frida Kahlo, she was a big inspiration, a big reason why I went to her house. Um, oddly enough, Courtney Love growing up was a big inspiration because she just put her messiness out there. Everyone in pop culture seemed to be so contained and she just let it all hang out and it went, it made me realize you didn't have to be perfect to be celebrated as a person or as an artist. Do you guys have any, any similar type women in your... Well, I mean, I, I guess I would probably point to another woman. Um, again, I think we stand on the shoulders of so many women that come before us. Um, but Louise Bourgeois, who's this yes. most beautiful woman, and at, in her late age was still creating art. And, and also, I think, as we talk about how far we've come and how far we still have to go, it's really up to us to help others as women. And, you know... I'm so happy to hear how, like, all the women, and I have mostly female art dealers. So there, I mean, we all are sisterhood, as you said, but, you know, I think um, Louise would have artists come in and talk to them, and, you know, I was um, uh, Vassar uh, during the Women's March. I had volunteered to be mentoring um, uh, artists um, in school to go into the workforce. And I was like so frustrated because I was like, oh my God, I am here and I'm not at the Women's March, but I've committed to this. And it was the most rewarding thing because here I was at where the beginning of a lot of the most incredible feminists came out of and to have be in that situation. So I think it's a matter of us, you know, educating people what what feminist is not a bad word and start identifying and, and to be, again, you know, I'm lucky that I'm, I'm cisgendered, but it's like there are people that identify with being women that are, weren't born. So there's a lot of a work to do, but as we just become more inclusive, I think it's, it's just going to be better and better. Definitely. Any woman who in history wore pants <laughs> instead of <laughs> no, a skirt. Yeah. Automatically just made papers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, just the wild women throughout history, the the unconventional ones, the outspoken ones. There's this, um, you know, I'm... I'm Gain the five minutes. Five so. minutes. Five minute warning. <laughs> Wrap it up so you have a chance. Um, yeah, just anyone who... Any woman who used her voice and wasn't afraid. Um, so, you know, every, every feminist author, mm-hmm. every, you know, designer, Coco Chanel, you know, just who who wasn't going to listen. And I have more respect. I have a lot of respect for those women who came... It, that early in time and were that disruptive because there was no status quo or you know collective to really align by it was really really risky behavior so individualistic and you know 
um, skirts off to them, as Oprah would say. <laughs> oh my gosh, like you said, there, we are standing on the shoulders of so many important women who have shaped us and inspired us, and some that we don't even know yet that we will discover because we don't even know <laughs> everything. But um, Simone de Beauvoir was... Uh, way before I discovered Frida Kahlo, uh, she spoke to my heart, you know, a lot, and I read a lot of her books, and uh, um, later on, a bit more in pop culture, um, the movie, The, the, the Craft, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this my is people. amazing. Yeah. Yeah, my people. <laughs> I think a lot, of, a lot of women of like a certain time period can look at that too and be like, oh, they're yeah, a darker. I like that. Totally. And then as I like a lot of women that I meet are whether they are artists, songwriters, mm-hmm. singers, um, uh, even actors. Um, I've always felt like, oh my gosh, it's like looking through a mirror. In a lot of ways, I see a lot of myself, and or I discover part of myself that I'm yeah. like, oh my gosh, that's what hurts. That's exactly what she's speaking about or speaking of, whatever. But recently, um, I binged watched uh, Girls because I wanted to watch the the, the new season, and. Um, Oh my gosh, I always was like, I'm never going to watch Girls. This is not for me. But I fell in love with this show. And right. I feel like these women inspired me in a lot of ways to, to be who I am without judging myself or, you know, just being as I am. And so, yeah, it's, it's good to feel that we and uh, what we do and what we contribute to the world and what we bring out to the world encourages other women or encourages... Uh, other women encourage us to just be ourselves and that's I think is the biggest revelation for for me anyway right so we only have a few more seconds do you um do you does anyone have any projects that they want to discuss really quickly that they're working on or I'll just take a second Lynn Hirschman Leeson pioneer in art new media feminism um has a show up right now at YBCA it just opened last night um really amazing if you're on the west coast YBCA is in San Francisco Yerba Buena Center for the Arts so Lynn. Um, I'm doing the Armory Art Fair. I'm doing a new project there. And I'm also doing uh, the, a new installation in Palm Springs Art Fair and a couple other things that I can't tell you. But um, <laughs> I wish I could. Um, but thank you for asking. Well, you'll have to keep us updated. Okay. <laughs> thank you for asking. And uh, Slow Factory is doing um, a new big launch of the Dignity Kits and the Dignity Funds. We are launching this new project again. Uh, we're going to have assembly parties where we're going to assemble the kits and we're going to be shooting uh, another um, photo shoot in Lebanon in the refugee camps, but also planning a fashion show in the refugee camps oh. as we are funding a fashion initiative there where they're learning how to sew and everything. So that's coming up for the next 26, 17, 2018. That's so fantastic. Keep in touch. Yeah, well, fantastic. thank you, ladies, for stopping. Thank you. Bye. It was amazing yeah. meeting these wonderful women. You've been listening to Work by Work on Air, a series of live conversations and performances exploring creativity and storytelling. These events are produced by Work by Work, a creative agency based in Brooklyn, New York, dedicated to collaboration and the idea of celebrating the work we all do. To learn more, visit workxwork.com and wxwonair.com. Thanks for listening.